the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What's the old Christian camp hymn we used to sing? Heaven is a marvelous place, full of glory and grace. I want to go there. Today, we're going to go there as we explore Revelation chapter 21 and 22 together. The City of God, next on Abounding Grace. Join us. The Ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. This is Abounding Grace. Hi. Welcome to the program. As we continue our survey of Revelation, we're nearing the end. In fact, we are in chapters 21 and 22 today, looking at the city of God. It really is an amazing place we have waiting for us. And would you expect anything less? I mean, after all, it's the very God of this universe who is preparing that place for you and I as believers in Christ. Join us. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. There were three great gates from the east, three gates from the north, three gates from the south, and three gates from the west. So here is this beautiful wall. It had 12 gates on it from each side, indicating that people came in from the four corners of the world. They are not confined to one ethnic group, nationality, or language. And this is being emphasized in the city of God in heaven as well. And each of these gates are guarded by an angel. Not so much really guarded as it is someone beckoning people in. The angels that guarded the tree of life in the Garden of Eden from fallen man will then stand by the gates of the perfected city begging for us to come in. Commentator Leon Morris makes this point. Entrance into, the, into God's city is not open to anyone who chooses or takes a notion to enter, but only to those whom God gives the right. So there is not only the beckoning of people, but they are also guarding the city, so no one comes into the city except those who have been called to come. That is, those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And for those, no matter where they come, the gates on all sides, these angels beckon them to come in from every direction because God's cult church is international, inter-ethnic, inter-racial, inter-linguistic. And that is why we confess, just as we did, that we believe in one holy Catholic, one holy universal church. Now notice what is written on these gates. There are 12 gates, and written on these gates are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. In other words, those who are members of the 12 tribes of Israel are the only people who are welcome into heaven. They are the only ones welcome into the perfected city, the new heaven and the new earth. So if you are not one of the 12 tribes of Israel, you may not enter the new heavens, and the new earth. 
Now, it is obvious from this text, and of course throughout the book of Revelation, that the 12 tribes of Israel are not limited to ethnic tribes, but is one of the names of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the new Israel of God, the covenant people of God. And if you are not a member of the new Israel, or the renewed Israel, the covenant people of God in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not welcome into the holy, perfected city because the only people that will ever see inside heaven are those who are members of God's covenant, whether they are Jews or Gentiles, as long as they are believers. Verse 14. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now we're coming to something Paul emphasized over and over about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me remind you of that by reading to you Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. Listen to what he says about you, the church, now. You are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So this new universe is the temple of God, and it has the same foundation that our church has right here in Los Gatos, California. It has the same foundation of Christ's church throughout the centuries, and that is the apostolic prophetic word. The foundation of the new heavens and the new earth is nothing other than that Old Testament and New Testament that you have in your hands. And throughout all eternity, you will be in touch with, studying, having Christ preach to you the meaning of the Old and the New Testaments. For the word of God is eternal, and it is the foundation of the new Jerusalem, the new church. Now notice that this city is a measured city, verse 15. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city is laid out in a square, and its length is as great as its width. And, it, it, and he measured the city with the rod, 1,500 miles. <clears throat> Its height and width and length are equal. Now, we already talked about the church being measured in the 11th chapter of Revelation. And if you remember, to measure something is to claim it. It is to render it safe and secure. So God is reminding us here that in the new heavens and the new earth, we are absolutely, perfectly, and eternally set apart for God's purposes. His own prized possession, absolutely safe and secure throughout all eternity, and with no one or nothing being able to snatch you out of his hand. In the city, in verse 16, we see is a square. In fact, it's not just a square, it is a cube. Now, what else was a cube in the Old Testament? You remember? It was the Holy of Holies. Remember, the temple and the tabernacle had two rooms in it. The first room was the holy place that had certain symbolic pieces of furniture in it. And then there was a veil, and behind the veil was the holiest place in the entire universe. 
the Holy of the Holies where the Ark of the Covenant sat, symbolizing propitiation and the kingship of God over every area of life. And that Holy of Holies was a cube. Its length, breadth, and height were identical. And now in this picture, the new heavens and the new earth is a cube. In other words, the entire universe is now the Holy of Holies after the second coming of Christ. That whatever the Holy of Holies was in the Old Testament symbolically, now actually the entire universe is that dwelling place of the special presence of Almighty God. And in verse 17 it says, He measured its wall 72 yards according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. Now what does a wall symbolize? Do you remember? This is a 1,500-mile-high city, and it certainly doesn't need a 72-yard wall to be safe. And that's not the point. You are to remember what a wall symbolizes. And simply saying it has a wall is reminding us that this city is secure. And there is nothing from outside the city that can draw you outside of heaven throughout all eternity. Just like now. You and I live in a walled city. Like Spurgeon said, the church today is no less safe than the perfected church in heaven, though in heaven the church will be happier. You and I are just as safe now as we will be in heaven, in the new heavens and the new earth for eternity. No one can snatch us out of the hands of God. Nothing in time or eternity can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are as safe now in a walled city as we will be in heaven. Nothing can snatch us away from the living God. Now here's an interesting phrase in verse 17. And he measured its walls 72 yards according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. Now what in the world does that mean? That these 72 yards are according to human measurements, but they are also according to angelic measurements. Well, all I can really do here is to make an educated guess. So I'm going to make that guess by quoting from David Chilton's commentary on Revelation. Listen now, because this is going to require some thought from you. Quote, there are divinely ordained correspondences between angels and men. The angelic activities seen in Revelation are a pattern for our own activity. As we see God's will being done in heaven, we are to imagine that activity on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is the pattern for earth. The temple is the pattern for the city. The angel is the model for man. Just as the spirit hovered over the original creation, fastening, fashioning it into the image of the heavens, so our task is to heavenize the world, bringing God's blueprint to its most complete realization, end quote. Well, that's a pretty good thought. 
and an astute thought. He says, thy will must be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know, I often talk about Christianizing the world. But we must also think in terms of heavenizing the world. Because the ultimate model is the perfect society of heaven as it is revealed in Scripture. And now we are to use the various principles and characteristics of that heavenly society to change society here on earth progressively until it is perfected at the end of time. Now, what is this city made of? And the material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. That is, it had no defects or stains. The foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with various kinds of precious stone. This is true today as well, but then it will be in perfection. The first foundation stone was jasper. The second was sapphire. Now, just please use your imagination here if you know what these stones are, and if you don't, just pick out your favorite stones, because I don't know what these stones look like myself. Now, here is a foundation made out of these stones. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the sixth sardonyx, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, the seventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. Now just use your imagination. You and I are a holy city that has that foundation right now. And someday we will see it in perfection. But now what is the point? Are we to look for some secret meaning in each one of these precious stones? Personally, I don't think so. But what would you describe a city that has foundations like this? Absolutely beautiful. That is the impression this is to make on you. The streets of pure gold with no defects. The foundation is of all these glorious, precious, shining stones. The perfected New Jerusalem will be absolutely, incomparably beautiful. There will be no ugliness there at all. Now you should be able to remember where these stones are mentioned somewhere else in the Bible. These are mentioned in the Old Testament in the high priest's breastplate. And these were precious stones symbolizing the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, they are the foundation stones of the new heavens and the new earth, wherein righteousness dwells. And the point is, just like the tribes of Israel on the high priest's breastplate showed that the people of God were near to the heart of God, so this shows us how precious we are to God. And we rest eternally safe in His care. And now this new universe is near to the heart of God. He, he loves it. He fills it with His presence. It's a beautiful face, place, first of all, to Him. Now there's one difference between the stones and the breastplate of the Old Testament high priest and the stones in the new heavens and the new earth. The stones in the breastplate of the high priest had the tribes of Israel written on them, and the stones here have the names of the apostles. 
So that the glorified church, once again, we are told, is God's Israel. Apostate Israel, unbelieving Israel, has been destroyed. There's something else I want to point out to you about these stones. These are the same stones that are in the Zodiac. Now, the Zodiac is forbidden as a part of witchcraft, fortune-telling, and all the rest. But nevertheless, these stones that we have here on the foundation of the heaven are the same stones in pagan Zodiac, except for one difference. They are in reverse order. Now, as we all know, there is nothing accidental in the Word of God. These stones are in reverse order. Listen to what Dr. Rush Dooney says and what he thinks this means. Quote, These stones are the same as in the Zodiac, but given in exactly the reverse order. Instead of a progression into darkness and hopelessness, which Zodiac offers, Christianity offers progression from decline to restoration in Christ, from darkness to light. These foundation stones thus represent again the radically different philosophy of history in the Bible. End quote. And not only does it have a foundation stone of a foundation of all these stones, but it has gates made of pearl, verse 21, figurative speaking, of course. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. <laughs> Can you even imagine that? A gate, a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Twelve gates, and each one is a pearl. What do you suppose is the significance of that? Do you remember the story of the man who was a pearl merchant? That he spent his whole life hunting for and selling pearls? Then he found a pearl that was more valuable than all the pearls he had put together. So he sold all of his possessions just to acquire this one pearl. So to say the gates are made of pearls is to say that being a citizen of God's kingdom and possessing salvation is worth more than anything else in all of life. Verse 22. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. There is no need for church buildings and Things of that sort. Because the entire universe now is the home of God and the dwelling place of our God. And the city had no need for the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God has illumined it and its lamp is the Lamb. Remember, that isn't literal. This is just simply saying that the brightness and splendor of God's glory fills heaven and earth. Now here's an interesting teaching, verse 24. The nations will walk by its light, that is the glory of God in Christ, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. The daytime for there will be, in the daytime for there will be no night. Its gates will never be closed, perfect safety, and they will bring the glory and the honor of its nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abominations and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So that last verse is very important. 
The only people who will be in heaven again are the elect. But notice what it says about kings. Now, this will be true on the earth as the kingdom of God progresses and advances. And, you know, then it flow, it will flow right into the new heavens and the new earth. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth. And there will be no kings in heaven. You realize that? But one, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So it's talking about what the kings of the earth do now, this side of the second coming. And by their activity, they shall bring their glory into the new heavens and the new earth. Verse 26, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Now, what is it to say that in the church, through its influence on the world, the kings of the nations are going to bring their glory and the glory of their nations in the church that will in some way extend all the way into the new heavens and the new earth? What's he getting at? Well, there is another verse that says, when we die, and we discussed this a few weeks ago, our works do follow us into the new heavens and the new earth. So let me make a stab at interpreting all of this. The works that you do now will follow you into heaven, the new heavens and the new earth. And what these kings of the earth bring from glory and from the glory and wealth of the nations brought into the church will also in some way be extended into the new heavens and the new earth. So again, what's he getting at? I think it's this. The culture of the great of this world will be carried into the new Jerusalem to be enjoyed by you and I, the elect. The permanent value of our productivity and the effect of the use of our gifts and talents will be preserved glorified and enjoyed on the new earth forever. Our works do follow us. In other words, this seems to say what you use your gifts to do in this life for the Lord Jesus Christ in some way, and and I'm sorry, I cannot explain how, the benefits of your good works and your faithfulness and the exercise of your calling shall still be enjoyed in the heavens and the new earth after the second coming of Christ. After all, remember the Bible says, the calling and gifts of God people are irrevocable. That once God gives you a gift and a calling, He doesn't revoke it. Now, praise the Lord that does not people mean people will be practicing things like dentistry in heaven and various other callings that relate to this fallen life. But in some way, the callings and gifts that you have, the works and productivity that you have for the glory of God in this life will continue to be enjoyed, the effects of it, in eternity hereafter. If you are a musician or a singer, people will still be enjoying your gift or whatever it may be. The point is, is our callings... And our gifts today should take on a far more valuable tone to them than normally if it is in fact true 
that the kings of the earth bring their wealth, the productivity of their nations, and our works do follow us into the new heavens and the new earth. Now let me finish with this. Who are the citizens of this perfected city of God? And the answer is found in Philippians 3.20 and 21, where Paul says, Now concerning believers, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which, we also, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things, subject all things to Himself. So if you're not a citizen of heaven now, you will not be a citizen of the new heavens and the new earth to come. And how do you become citizens of heaven now? Through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work and submission to his revealed will. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace.